Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now let's go to this week's message. Well, good morning again, Father's House. Uh, my name is Lisa Humphreys. I get to come to you this morning as a student in the School of Ministry here at the Father's House. I am thankful for the opportunity to be able to share one of Jesus' parables with you. I want to say welcome to our online church one more time. Everybody give them a big hand. Woohoo! That's it. Um, usually I'm chatting with you like this, so it's kind of nice that I get to chat with you like this today. Let us, uh, let's get started with some prayer. Father God, we thank you for everyone who is in this house, both physically and online with us today. Father, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth are words that the Holy Spirit would use for this teaching, and that ears are open to hear the message, and that my heart of this teaching is received. In your son's precious name we pray, amen. Amen. So have you guys enjoyed the teaching from the parables? Yes, it's been good. Um, if you missed any, you can always go back as, as they share before the fathershouse.com. All of our sermon archives are there. Also, you can follow us on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's at TFH at Leesburg, TFH Leesburg. So this morning, I'm going to share with you the parable of the two sons. And before I get started, I want to be a little bit real with you. Is that okay? Is that good? As I began to study this, my prayer was that you would hear my heart in this teaching today and that you wouldn't feel any condemnation and that it would just be a conviction because, you see, Jesus is going to give us an example of how we can be the best for him. Is that a deal? Okay, good. So take a look at this graphic that's up on the screen. Someone once said, each of Jesus' parables are like a window. You can look through the parable, and you can see the world in a different way. But if you really look at a window, what do you see? You see your reflection in the glass. The same way as a parable, when we really look into it, and when we really get it, it's about us. It's about us. I picked the parable of the two sons. I thought, oh, that's really cool. I have two boys. I'll teach about two boys. This parable is really not about the two sons. It's really about me. It's really about us and how we, our relationship with the Father. Because obedience is shown through our actions, not just our words. So this parable, bottom line, obedience is shown through action, not just our words. So the scripture is going to be out of Matthew 21 today, and I'm going to read it to you. You can follow along on the Sky Bible if you want, or you can just close your eyes and listen, because I hope to read it just like a little bit of a story for you today. It's important to remember that this teaching was the week before Jesus was crucified. This is one of the last stories that he left us with. So I don't know about you, but I have to think that it must have been pretty important to him if he wanted us to get that information right before he left. So our scripture today is Matthew 21, 28 through 32, and I'm going to be reading out of the Passion Translation. <clears throat> Jesus said to his critics, tell me what you think about this parable. There once was a man with two sons. The father came to the first and said, son, 
I want you to go to work in the vineyard today. The son replied, I'd rather not. But afterward, he deeply regretted what he said to his father, changed his mind, and decided to go to the vineyard. The father approached the second son and said the same thing to him. This son replied, Father, I will go and do as you said. But he never did. He didn't go to the vineyard. Tell me, which of these two sons did the will of the father? They answered him, the first one. Jesus said, you're right. For many sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes are going into God's kingdom realm ahead of you. John came to show you the path of righteousness, righteousness, yet the despised and the outcast believed in him, but you did not. When you saw them turn, you neither repented of your ways nor believed in his words. How many of you remember early Western movies? Cowboys, right? Good guys, bad guys. So it was really easy to tell in those movies, right, who was the good guy and who was the bad guy. We had a gentleman in the first service. He had on a white hat. I was like, thank you, Ralph, for sitting right there. But so the good guys in the Westerns, they wore the white hats, and the bad guys, they wore the black hats. So it's very easy to tell who was the good guy and who was the bad guy. The difference was black and white. Or maybe a more modern analogy is the Transformers. The good ones, they look so pleasant. And then the bad ones have that mean look to them. And then, of course, there's the music that goes along with the Transformers movies. It's a pretty given who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. Well, during the ministry of Jesus, the Pharisees and the chief priest, they wore the white hats. They were the good guys. They kept the law and lived a life characterized by acts of righteousness. The other people were the bad guys, especially the worst of the worst, the prostitutes and the tax collectors. <clears throat> but you know what? I, I, I love Jesus in this story. He was irritated by the religious snobs that were telling them that it was easier for a bad person to get into heaven than it was for a good person. Do you know why it's easier for a bad person to get into heaven than a good person? Nobody's good. Only God is good. The Bible says in Romans 3.12, all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You see, it's this way. A bad person is quick to admit they need salvation. They know they're a bad person. Whereas a good person often thinks they're good enough that they're doing it good enough, and so they don't need what's being offered. Let's remember today, somebody's watching you. You came to church today. Many of you checked in on Facebook. You came to church. You're doing the good thing, right? When you show up at work tomorrow, will your walk match what you said you were today? How about, you know who watches you the closest? It's your family, your spouse, your children. They know you best, and they know if your walk matches your talk. 
they know that it's Tuesday night, that you had a really bad day at work today, and that one of those kids comes and there's a school project that's due at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Is your walk and your talk matching? John Maxwell says it this way, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Okay, let's do that again. Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. <clears throat> Raise your hand if you fit into any one of these categories. Are you a neighbor, a coworker, a child, a friend, a spouse, a parent? You say you're a Christ follower and you're wearing a white hat, that's right. So they're watching you. All of those people that in all of those circles that we just talked about, they're watching you. And they want to know if your walk and your talk are matching. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the parables in the scripture are going to help me get my walk and my talk to match. 2 Timothy 3.16, again in the Passion Translation, says, God has transmitted his very substance into every scripture. It is God's breathed. It will empower you. Let me read that again. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for not only the scripture, but I am so thankful for our church. The Father's House, we are committed to lead our people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Now, maybe that happens through growth track. Maybe it happens for you through a life group. Maybe it was a brotherhood event. Maybe it was a sisterhood event. Or maybe it's even all you need is love. And it is our... Uh, married Dating and Everything Else conference that's coming up the last week of August. We changed it up a little bit this year. It's not a married people date night. It is married dating and everyone in a committed relationship. You don't have to wait to get married to learn how to do it right. You don't have to learn how to get, you don't have to wait to get married to get your walk and your talk to match with your spouse. Come and learn what the Bible says about a godly marriage so your walk and your talk can match. So Pastor Kevin and Melissa are going to be here with us again, Uncle Kevin, who came last year to the married people date night that we had. Did you learn something when you came that night? Are you going to bring a friend this year with you? Everybody nod your head yes, exactly. I'm so excited by um, one of the main teachings that Pastor Kevin and Melissa are going to do. It's a, the difference between arguing and being argumentative. Am I the only one that needs that lesson? Nope, Tiffany's got her hand up. We were, we're real, we're, we're real about that. You'll notice on the graphic on the screen, there's a QR code. Uh, I saw Edwin, he is so good. He had that camera out. He is registering, he and Betsy, for that. The All You Need Is Love conference. All the information is gonna be there on our website. So let's come back to the parable. So the question this parable asks us is, how do my actions reflect, just like the window that we saw in the first graphic, how do they reflect Jesus? You see, we all get the same gift. 
It's salvation through Jesus. Here it is, just for you. If you haven't got this amazing gift yet, Pastor Tim is going to share a little bit about that at the end of his teaching with you, about how you can get the gift. But let's just assume for the sake of our conversation now that everybody has received this gift. Don't you want to share that gift with somebody that you love? Who is it that you would like to get the gift that you have been given from Jesus? I want you to take your notes out or text yourself or do a voice memo, whatever you do. But I want you to put down a name. Who is the person that you want to get the gift that you have been given? Who is that person? And then let's remember this. If we, myself, mostly included, don't use our free gift, the one that I don't deserve, the one that I didn't earn, if I don't use my gift correctly, like Jesus taught me, like he gives the example, like the scriptures say, then I may cost someone else their gift. That's what this parable teaches us. I'm responsible to use my gift for someone else so that my walk and my talk match so that they're looking at me going, mm, I want what she has. How do I get what she has? It's a gift. We're going to give you a free gift. Let's close with prayer. Father, I just pray today that you would help our walk and our talk match up and that we would line up to your will. Let us be obedient in our actions because we know that they speak louder than our words. And may we be the best example that we can possibly be of the gift that we've been given. In your son's precious name we pray, amen. Lisa, thank you. Our walk talks louder than our talk talks. Something for us to remember and put into practice every single day. Thank you for that. We're going to be in Luke 15, 1 through 10, and we're going to talk about lost things. So we uh, asked a question today about losing things, and I don't know if any of you have ever done this. Where's my glasses? Where's my glasses? Or even worse, Leslie and I were talking earlier, where's my glasses? And they're right on there, you know, like that. Uh, one of my friends, she gave me permission to say, uh, Pastor Andrea told me a really cool story this week, said that she was on the phone, I think like walking in from the car into, the, in, into church and uh, one day, and Vance could tell she was a little panicked in her voice. It was like, honey, what's the matter? And she was like, I can't find my phone. I can't find my phone. He's like, uh, sweetie, we're talking on the phone. So we all do that kind of thing, right? We all search for lost things. Let's see what the Word of God has to say about lost things. So Luke 15, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. One of them probably said, yeah, I was at that wedding in Canaan. He turned the water to wine and then had some. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in and go to search for the other that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. 
when he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God rather than the 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. He continued with this. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me. I have found my coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Think about that. The angels rejoice over one lost person being found. The angels rejoice more than the 99 that aren't found. So let's talk a little bit about lost things today. As we all lose things, we pursue them with different intensity, right? I'm just going to read your list and think about the intensity that you would look for these. Our sock. Where does that sock go? All right? Please, where does that sock go? And how about this? Do any of you keep the ones hoping that the other ones will come home? <laughs> I do. Thank you, Michael. I do, too. I got a whole thing of ones. There you go. That's right, Vance. Hoping the other ones will come home. We already talked about our glasses. Um, how about this? You ever lose your keys? Check this out. And, of course, if you're looking for car keys, your pocket is one place where you have to look at least six or seven hundred times. <laughs> you wear out the cloth in your pocket. Oh, geez, I had them. They were right here, you know, and I usually, usually I'll put them in here. See, I get out of the car, I have them hold on. See, now then, hold on. No, usually, see, now hold on. Wait a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> but maybe I'd sneak up on them, no. They're not in there. I don't know what the hell I did with them. I had them, you know. Hold on, I, what, what? Maybe they fell upwards, maybe they fell upwards and stuck to some bubble gum. Hold on. Ever do that? Just keep looking in the same spot for the same thing, even though the place it's supposed to be at? Uh, how about your wallet or your phone? We lose those a lot. Now, I know a lot of you have some real good watches that'll tell you where your phone's at. But if you're home alone and you don't have that, and you don't have a home phone anymore, and you can't find your phone, you can't call yourself to tell you where your phone's at. It just gets chaotic sometimes. But as things become more near and dear to our heart, we search for them with greater intensity. How about your pet? No one wants to lose their pet. There's my pet right there. That's my little buddy. Trav, again, he's red. He's got his vest on to run with the big boys. So everything always happens when Brenda's gone, right? So a couple weeks ago, she went to see her mom. And um, I'm looking for Mickey. I was outside. He comes back in and, in and out, and I couldn't find him. And I'm running around outside, and I'm starting to get a little panicky. I look in on a couch where he lays. He's not there. And so I'm a little concerned at this point in time. And I start yelling, Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. And I guess my yelling kind of made him cower down. He had been circling around the island. He was over between the sink and, and the island, and I found him. And when I found him, I just scooped him up and hugged him. I was so happy that I found him. I wanted to call Brenda and rejoice that I found him, but I didn't want her to know I lost him in the first place. <laughs> How about a child? Have any of you ever lost your child? I did. I lost Tim when he was about four or five at the farmer's market in, um, in Delaware. 
you know, security guard had him. It ended up everything being fine. Very scary. We search with greater intensity the more something is dear and near to our hearts. I want to read you this quote today to kind of set the stage for these two parables. In a world where people kick you to the curb for any little thing, God's perfect love is fighting for you when you are lost and scared or lost and don't know it. Keep those two in your minds today. So let's set the stage here. The little lamb, okay? The lamb that is lost in our story. So it's a dark and stormy night. Every good story starts out, it was a dark and stormy night. The thunder's clapping, all right? It's starting to rain, lightning. The shepherd's frantically trying to get all the sheep into the pen to protect them because that's what he does. And he has the, the staff, and that's how they counted. He would hold the staff down. The sheep would come in, and every one, as it ducked its head down, he would count. I can see him. 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Wait a minute. 99. Turns around. Can't count them, but I know I've done this so many times. I know this is right. Maybe he looks and he sees a mother sheep kind of looking for the little lost lamb. So now the lamb is out there, and it's afraid. It's scared. Thunder, lightning, maybe the wolves starting to howl. Maybe the sheep curls up next to a tree, afraid what's going to happen. And then out of the corner of his eye, he sees the shepherd. He sees his savior coming. The sheep runs to the shepherd. The shepherd picks him up, puts him on his shoulders, carries him into safety. That is what our Heavenly Father is waiting to do for you today if you are lost. Scoop you up and carry you into safety. That lamb knew it was lost. Now let's talk about the second parable, the coin. See, the difference here in the story is this. The coin is an inanimate object. The coin doesn't know it's lost. It's not sitting over there saying, hey, where are the other nine? Where'd they go? Did they go to a party and didn't take me? I wanted to go out today. No. The coin doesn't know it's lost, but the lady searches for it with the same intensity because it has value to her. When I read that, and it says she lit a lamp and she swept the house. Now, when I was younger, I always used to think she got out of broom and swept the house, but when I got older, and um, I, I kind of think that it's kind of like more the way like law enforcement like might go in and search for a bad guy. They call it sweeping a house, right? Because they're looking in every single place the bad guy might be hiding because they don't want to miss it. Well, that's what this lady did. She swept every corner of the house because this coin was so valuable to her. See, God doesn't differentiate. Our Savior doesn't differentiate between people who are down and out and know they're lost or those that are just living what they feel is a good life. He pursues them with the same intensity. Another thing that this parable teaches us is that God's kingdom is not based on efficiency. See, it would have been more efficient for the lady to take the nine, the nine coins and try to flip them and make the one. It would have been more efficient for the shepherd just to care for the 99. See, in today's society, in the business world, the best managers and the best leaders spend their most of their time with their top-performing employees, not the ones that are at the bottom and lost and aren't making it. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that my Heavenly Father's kingdom does not based on efficiency because he'd have never come looking for me when I was lost, and he scooped me up. 
We know in our parable that Jesus is representative of the seekers. He's the shepherd, and he's also representative of the lady looking for the coin. But let's take a little liberty today and put ourselves in the role of the seeker. How about we do that? Let's go back to that list. Sock, glasses, keys, wallet, phone, pet, starting to mean something now. Child, really starting to mean something. How about lost souls? How about your neighbors, your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your aunt, your uncle, your neighbors? Yeah, even the old crotchety one that lives next door that you don't like and they're lost. We need to be pursuing them. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be seekers, and that's what he's doing today. You and I need to be seeking the lost because, see, somewhere along the line, for those of us that have surrendered our lives to Christ, somewhere along the line, yes, we know Jesus and the Holy Spirit draws us, but probably for the most of us, it was because someone said something to us. It might have been a preacher. It might have been a friend, a spouse. It might have been someone who invited you to church. But God uses seekers today to bring the lost. Now, there are times when somebody's just down and out and the world is just totally crashing around them and they reach up and the only thing they can do is call out the name of Jesus. But again, for most of us, there's a person that was instrumental in leading us to the Lord. I was talking to Smitty in between services and we were talking about this. And he told me he was able to lead somebody to the Lord at the restaurant this week. And I was like, that's what it's about, just there. Wherever God places you, whatever circle of influence you have, are you being a seeker? Are we after the lost as much as we would be looking for our child or looking for our pet? Are we looking for those lost souls? Are we taking those opportunities that God is giving to us? Right now, the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian, is putting somebody on your mind. Again, it might be an aunt, an uncle, a grandson, a granddaughter. The neighbor on the left side who keeps their grass nice and cut. The neighbor on the right side whose grass is overrun and never cleans off the fence. But they're just as lost. Who is it today that God is telling you to be a seeker? A few weeks ago, Pastor Terry taught us to pray bad prayers, bold, audacious, daring prayers. These are the cards that you guys wrote your prayers on. I read these. I prayed over them. Our staff prayed over them. I've kept these in my office. I continue to pray over them. But as I read them, probably 60 or 70% or more had to do with somebody that they knew that was lost. Well, I want to challenge you and ask you today, your bad prayer, was it just for that week when you laid that down? Or have you been continuing to pray that bold, audacious, daring prayer? Are you praying, God, use me. Let me be your hands. Let me be your feet. Let me be the voice to bring someone in today. The parables that we're studying, and especially today's, they reveal the reality of God's heart and attitude and shows how love really works. See, love seeks without inducement, without payment, without counting the cost. The Bible tells us in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
for your salvation and for mine. One of my good friends, Bill Wise, was fortunate enough to go to Africa on a mission trip with him a couple times. He's now since going to be with God. Bill would use this when we were over in Africa preaching. He had one daughter. Him and Shirley had one daughter. And he would say that I'm 99 plus percent sure that if anybody put a gun in my head and said, renounce Jesus or die, I would take the bullet. Later on in one of his mission trips, that happened. And he stood up was not shot, but did not renounce Jesus. But he would say, I have my one daughter, and if somebody put a gun to her head, I don't know. I'd like to think that I could, but I don't know what I would do if I could sacrifice my daughter for the salvation of others. But then he would say, but I know one who did. I know the one who did, the one who said, I will send my son for the lost. I will send my son to die so others can live. Can you bow your heads with me today, please? I want to read you this scripture. This is Romans 5, verse 8. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's action to save us is the natural action it takes when love rules the heart. These parables teach the reality that God is love and his kingdom is love. So today, maybe this week, you've been in a situation when you felt lost and you knew and life was just crashing around you and you almost feel like the little lamb out there with the wolves growling louder and louder and the thunder crashing and the rain coming down and you know, I need to make a change in my life. I need to surrender. I need to call on Jesus. Or maybe just the opposite. Maybe this week, life's been great. Maybe your life is just cruising. But today with this story, you're thinking, am I like the lost coin? Have I truly ever surrendered my heart to God? I want to tell you, he's pursuing you today. He loves you today with a reckless, abandoned love. There's not a wall he won't kick down, a lie he won't tear down coming after you. So if that's you today and you would just say to me, Tim, hey, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to try this Jesus that you're talking about. And if you're online, I'm talking to you too. If you just raise your hand, make eye contact with me right now. I just want to pray for you. If you're feeling lost today, if you're online, you can just type in there, I need that prayer or I'm lost. And you know, nobody should ever, ever say this prayer of salvation alone, and we're family here at the Father's house. So we're all going to say this prayer together. Dear God, I'm lost. Please come and find me. Please rescue me. I lay my life down for you to pick it up. As best as I know how, I'm going to serve you. Let me then be a seeker and bring others to you. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to help you continue that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com forward slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and make disciples.